You are listening to Get With IT, a podcast by IT Ops Times. I'm Jacob Lukowitz, multimedia editor at IT Ops Times. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast episode. Today, we're going to be talking about how ongoing compliance with FedRAMP requirements is a constant challenge for organizations. With me today is Matt Coos, founder and CEO of cybersecurity company Cumulus. Hi, Matt. Great to have you here. Hey, Jacob. Thanks uh, for having me in. It's great to be here. Great. So for our listeners, can you give a brief overview of what FedRAM compliance entails and how has this affected how cloud operators work? Sure, I'll do my best. Um, yeah, it's, it's very similar to a lot of other frameworks you see out there um, in terms of the process. So um, you know, there's a set of controls that have been laid out. So there's a kind of preparatory phase um, where the providers go through and you know make sure they have the controls in place and um, document, do a lot of documentation. Uh, then there's an authorization phase is kind of step two. And that's where um, they'll they'll get assessed for those controls and how effective they are. And then um, any shortcomings are documented. And typically that's done by what they call 3PAO, third-party assessment organization. Um, that gets all reported back to either you know uh, the FedRAMP um, office or um, an agency if you're going through um, an authorization from an agency. And then really the third phase is just uh, continuous monitoring. So um, that's where kind of the, the ongoing reports are provided back to, to FedRAMP to ensure those controls are remain in effect and um, and are effective um, and they maintain that authorization. And, um, you know, there's like an annual assessment on top of that. So kind of three basic phases, you know, prep, authorization, and then continuous monitoring to, to maintain the authorization over time. Mm-hmm. I see. Yeah, very um, yeah. yeah. Um, and so what are some of the challenges of keeping up with FedRAM compliance? I know you mentioned that there's uh, kind of an, an annual renewal, right? Yeah, I think, um, again, similar to other frameworks, other requirements for compliance. I mean, it's um, they the, the requirements can change over time. So, you know, making sure that your organization is future future proofed to, mm-hmm. to be able to adapt to new controls or new mandates or or even new specific requirements that are laid out um, is one thing. Um, I think typically it's a fairly fairly lengthy and potentially costly assessment process. So you have to pay for those three PAOs to come in and do your assessments and um, you know create those reports and so forth. Um, and that's obviously the cost of the in, inside of the organization for your compliance teams to to do all that work, documentation, and um, you know prep for those audits. So there's a a couple of things there. Um, obviously, the the Conmon stuff can be challenging. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, to the extent, I mean, compliance in the past has been very manual. And so similarly, if you implement FedRAMP in a manual way and you're collecting, you know, evidence manually and static, you know, static snapshots, um, there's a lot of cost to that. There's a lot of labor cost to that. Not only are you, you know, having to pay a lot of compliance folks to do that, but you're the folks that are kind of the operators, you know, running the tools, um, you know, managing the systems. They're constantly bombarded by, you know, data calls and kind of filling out paperwork and so forth. So um, there's challenges around that as well. Mm-hmm. I see. And uh, so which industries are most often required to keep up with FedRAMP certification? Um, it's really kind of cross industries. I mean, um, obviously, you know, big names come to mind around you know, Google Cloud and Azure and you know AWS and but it's really anyone providing you know services um, 
you know, either service uh, software as a service platform infrastructure uh, as a service to the federal government um, needs to be you know federal compliant. So um, again, it could be you know Salesforce, it could be you know Slack, like productivity tools. It can be um, you know insurance companies that are providing services via the cloud um, to the government. So pretty much uh, any industry, certainly the, the defense industrial base is is a big big part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Great. And so how can compliance automation fit into all of this? Yeah. So, I mean, back to the challenges, I mean, you know, and again, I kind of genericize this beyond FedRAMP, but um, I think automation is a, a pretty big part of, of doing compliance well. Um, again, you can, you know, if, if you, if you look at compliance as a way to improve your security um, and you, you know, want to automate those controls, you want to automate kind of the reporting piece, you know, really streamline the, the labor part that's required with compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, and my recommendation is just uh, combine, you know, your views of compliance. A lot of folks separate compliance from security, from risk management. And for us, those things are all, you know, very similar and it should be sort of combined. So, so we take kind of a big data approach to that, right? The data exists to do, you know, security typically um, in your security operations center. Um, you've got a lot of that data from your tools coming in, your services um, that's hopefully being monitored. I think the trick is all you need to do is take that same data and contextualize it into the different controls. Um, so you have that evidence dynamically, right? Um, and same for like making risk decisions. If you can contextualize that data into, you know, what are the things that trigger a response or a risk decision? Um, you can really use one platform and, and kind of make all those functions possible. So for us, like automation, I think really comes down to, um, you know, contextualization of the data, um, automation of the reports, um, you know, reduction in labor hours, and then really informing security through the compliance lens. So mm. a lot of these organizations, um, you know, they're not just doing FedRAMP, right? They've got you know, multiple frameworks they have to comply with. In some cases, it's it's HIPAA and FedRAMP, or it's you know NIST and FedRAMP, or SOC or SOC two, or you know, you name the the standard that's out there. Um, and without automation, you're essentially creating silos of you know reporting groups that that are not helping your security posture whatsoever. So you're yeah. spending you know lots of dollars on you know kind of uh, preparing for an audit versus preparing for an attack. Um, and that's kind of a waste in my mind. So, so the, to the extent that folks can automate around those processes, combine them together, um, use that data, you know, centrally for multiple purposes. Um, there's a lot, a lot of value that can be can be derived from from taking that approach. Yeah, and especially now, it seems like there are more and more compliance requirements that are you know coming every few months yeah. or so. Exactly. I mean, yeah. New York Financial Services just published new ones. The states are coming out with their own. So now co- your companies are finding themselves having to comply with, you know, state-specific, you know, mm-hmm. com- compliance requirements. And so when you add all that up, you know, the federal stuff with the state stuff, um, it's almost like a tax, you know, like tax management. Like you've got to report mm-hmm. taxes to all the states you sell into. It's very, it's becoming very similar on the compliance, you know, cyber compliance mm-hmm. side. And um, after a while, that if you're not automating that. You're you're really going to be underwater quick, and you're going to be spending a lot of money on on a lot of manual things that that don't actually get you get you better at security. So yeah, um, that's a great point. The other, I guess, the other thing is like along with that, we're seeing a lot of um, just more more um, accountability with respect to to compliance mandates. So while the mandates keep coming out, um, there's a lot more you know lawsuits you're seeing, whistleblowers, 
um, executives being held accountable, in some cases like facing jail time for criminal activities. And so the 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 kind of um, accountability piece of this for executives that are kind of in these positions uh, is becoming more and more um, kind of rigorous as well. So we're seeing a lot of enforcement around that lately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was really interesting and and really big point before that you know security and compliance should be treated you know should be merged so are you seeing that uh within companies themselves is the uh appsec team handling the compliance aspect as well yeah so like i mean i think a lot of our customers that kind of get that are are definitely moving in that direction right so um it's it's having the the security operations center you know and they're all under the CISO typically but having that team combined with the compliance team um, and leveraging one set of data, uh, but but just contextualizing it in different ways is really kind of the key. Uh, and we are seeing like really um, our you know our, our customers doing that, which is which is great. Um, and again, all that means is like you're saving money on compliance, and you're getting more benefit for the security side of the of the table, which I think is in every CISO's dream, right? Um, the one challenge that remains with with respect to doing that is that you know. It kind of comes back to the, to the regulators, right? Um, the folks publishing, you know, the compliance mandates. Um, if they're publishing things that you have to be compliant with that are not real security relevant, then compliance will always be just kind of a waste of money. Um, so part of it, I think, is shared on that side. You know, the the Fed PMOs and other world, the you know the 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 folks that issue these mandates really need to focus on ensuring that what they're requiring folks to comply with is actually beneficial to security. And for us, like that means like mainly the technical controls. So, you know, technical things that you can monitor in real time can give you indicators of compromise very quickly. Um, those are the types of things that we think regulators should be pushing out as, as compliance. Because um, as you know, like compliance has had a horrible name for the last, you know, 30 years, right? Oh, yeah. Rightly so. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of a, a lot of people view it as a waste of time. And, and it's, it's a combination of you know what folks are being asked to be compliant with being a waste of time, a lot of paperwork, um, or it's the way it was implemented, and it was implemented in these manual, static, snapshot ways. Um, but both of those things can be fixed, um, and I think once we once we see that, we are seeing some of that progress. Um, once we see that, we're going to actually start seeing um, you know uh, detection done a lot sooner. A lot of the breaches you hear about, I mean, solar winds, I mean, you name it, basically any breach, um, you know, it, it's typically not detected for sometimes months later. And that's really unacceptable when when you look back and kind of do the do the historical on those those events. Um, typically, there is a, a technical compliance control that had it been monitored in real time would have actually detected that thing months ago. And that includes solar winds. So it's it's kind of crazy, but there is a connection there between like doing technical controls in real time and monitoring those, um, and being compliant with that, and you know much improved security and earlier detection. Yeah, very interesting. So you gave a couple examples of of things that organizations can do to to bolster their compliance posture, but um, what would you say is kind of like the number one most important thing that they should focus on? Yeah, um, I think for. For me, it's it's kind of building that that collect that that data lake, you know, that collection of data um, mm-hmm. in the right way and tagged, you know, the right way. So if you can if you can get that fundamental, and a lot of folks have this done already. So if you go to multiple, you know, multiple socks, you know, that we we deal with, you know, all the time, they've got these capabilities in place. They may not be as holistic as they need to be in terms of like all the assets and you know all the different data sources they need. 
Um, but that is a just a rich source of information that once you have that and you can manage it and construct it correctly, you can really solve a lot of these you know business functions um, simultaneously. So I'd say that's that's kind of number one for me. All right, great. That yeah, that's all the questions that I had. Thank you so much for your insight. Is there anything else important that you'd like to add, um, either about FedRAM compliance or for the space at large? No, no. I just I like to see I like the direction that we're heading in. I think, and um, you know, hopefully we can we can turn compliance into a much more valuable thing for security. So that's that's where I think it's going, and and hopefully we can help folks do that. Yeah. All right. I'm really glad when it ends on uh, on a positive note when it comes to yeah. the topics awesome. like this. Thanks so much, Jacob. Great. Yeah. I appreciate the time. Yeah. Thanks for coming on the, today's show. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in today. Be sure to check out all of our weekly episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform. Till next time, this has been Get With IT.